The one kind of fun fact that I'll say, just do your homework on, um, check with any seller if you are under contract on the life safety inspections. So typically, um, if, if you have a property that has fire extinguishers, those are typically inspected on an annual basis. Um, and that could be a couple thousand dollars depending on how many you'd have to inspect. So if they haven't been inspected in time, make sure the seller does that and they pay for it before closing. As an operator, I know other investors are romanticizing multifamily investing, and I'm looking to learn from other investors' mistakes. I know you are too, and you found the right place. Welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Hey everybody, and welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. I'm your host, Jerome, and I got the fortune of having Danny Redazzo with me today. Danny, how are you, man? Doing great, Jerome. Thank you so much for having me on. Happy to be here and uh, share what we've learned throughout our past and uh, kind of what we're working on in the multifamily world. Awesome. If the listeners want to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Um, you can check us out at PassiveInvesting.com. That's the name of our syndication group. So if you want to know about our um, specific focus, kind of what we do, or just learn more about our investments, go to PassiveInvesting.com. You can get a hold of us there. And if you're interested in becoming a passive investor, you can join our club and we'll reach out to you and talk about your investing goals. If you want to know a little bit more about me personally, my website, dannyrandazzo.com, is a great place to do all of that and see kind of all of the previous podcasts that I've been on, shows that I've produced myself, and any other information that you would like to know, it's all there. Awesome. Thank you for doing that. And now, do me a favor and let's run through kind of your background and let the listeners get to know about your track record and you know what you guys have been working on. Sure. My personal background um, was in financial consulting. So I traveled around the country and the world working with multi-billion dollar corporations to improve their financial performance and business operations. So I always kind of had that mindset of how is this process working and how can we make it better or do something different to improve? And so that's what I was able to help large multi-billion dollar companies do. And I also learned during that time that I wasn't in control of my own time, right? So I was on someone else's schedule, traveling three, four, five days a week, um, every week throughout the year. And um, it was not the kind of lifestyle that I envisioned having and that my wife envisioned me doing. And so we decided to make a change and started buying cash flow producing real estate um, in order to kind of begin to replace uh, my W-2 income. And we built that over a couple of years, and then I eventually quit my job. And today I focus full-time on multifamily um, investing and, and absolutely love what I do. And so what I bring to our group, PassInvesting.com, is that financial background, um, the 
asset management approach, um, learning about our current operations, how can we do things differently or improve. And I have two great partners um, that helped form our company. Um, one of them, Brandon, he's focused really on the um, due diligence kind of broker relations side of things. So he's out finding us the deals. And then I'm in the middle underwriting and managing the deals. And then we have our third partner, Dan, who um, kind of oversees our marketing and our investor relations piece. And so it's, um, it's a great setup with our managing partners. And then we have other great team members who really fulfill um, their specific roles. And so with the three of us as managing partners, we kind of have diversified backgrounds. We're all good at different things and we enjoy what we do. So it allows us to grow and kind of get to where we're at today. Our company controls over 2000 apartments, um, which is valued at about 225 million assets under management. And we are solely focused on investing in the Southeast U.S., um, we look for deals that are greater than 150 units, greater than $25 million built after 1990, and um, there's got to be a value-add component. So either there is value-add by actually doing work and renovating the units, or there's value-add by improving operations from what the previous seller was doing. So that's kind of what we're focused on today. That's a little bit about the structure of our group. And in 2019, we purchased a little bit over 120 million in multifamily real estate. And so um, we've got a, a good track record of kind of what the landscape over the last year has been. And even, you know, today as we record this in um, April of 2020, we're, we're working very diligently to, um, to make sure that we're managing our assets appropriately through the, the COVID-19 kind of pandemic. So we, could, we can go a lot of different directions, Jerome, but you point me one way that we can add the most value to the listeners. I think that, you know, that number is pretty impressive, you know, over a hundred million in assets last year. And one of those deals was pretty large. And so I really, if you give me the opportunity to talk through that, but one question. So how did the three amigos get together? Cause I've never heard that part of the story. Yeah. You know, um, it happened through just natural occurrences. So it wasn't forced, but Dan and I actually met through a mutual mentor in the multifamily real estate business. Um, and we probably met about four years ago at this point in time. And for the first couple of years, um, we just kind of stayed in touch maybe once a quarter, checked in. And then as we started to see some alignment of interest, um, our kind of business desires started to align. Um, geographically, Dan and Brandon both live in Columbia. I'm in Charleston. And so we started to drive and kind of meet in the middle um, and we would have breakfast together, talk about what we were looking at. And then eventually there was a multifamily deal that came online um, listed for sale in Charleston. And so we kind of went in with the mindset of let's look at this thing together. Uh, let's see if we could do it together. That deal did not end up um, going our our favor, whatever, we lost out on the deal. Um, but from that point on, we started to look at things from a team dynamic and things really started to click. So 
it was, um, again, we met through a mutual mentor um, and we started to get to know each other personally and professionally to see what our strengths and weaknesses were and what we wanted to do. So I see a lot of people out there who want to partner with someone, but they are very similar to each other. So, you know, if you are two very outgoing individuals who love to speak to investors, like that's great, but you need to have a numbers person on the team. You need to have a broker relations. Um, Brandon's background is excellent because he knows he built custom homes for about 10 years. And then he was also a commercial and residential insurance adjuster. So he knows every make, model, product, building material, useful life thing, um, which Dan and I don't really have an interest in knowing, but it's very helpful to have that person on the team. And so um, we've been able to utilize the strengths and again, do what we really enjoy to get that team going. And so my kind of one tip to the listeners out there would be to, um, to meet people, get to know them. Don't think about partnering first. Just think about if they're a good fit to work with and you enjoy being with those people um, and then kind of progress down that road, but do it naturally. Don't force it. Don't jump into a partnership early. And even when we first got started, we kind of said, look, we'll just do it one deal at a time. And then we kind of said, hey, this works really well. Let's kind of form a real business so we can take it to the next level. Awesome. 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 Yeah, that's that's cool. And I I always have to ask. So when you say a mutual mentor, was that paid training or was there somebody that was doing it for free for you guys? So Dan and I individually um, did have a paid mentor that we were learning and growing from. And through that connection, our mentor introduced the two of us because he knew we were both interested in multifamily. He knew we were both geographically located in the same state close by and felt like we would be a good fit kind of personality wise, knowing how each of us worked and what our strengths were. And so I would encourage people who are looking to get started, um, do your own due diligence, right? The one thing, Jerome, you're always talking about is be educated, but do your own research. And, um, you know, I think there's really good people. There's also probably not so good of people who charge you money to go through some coaching program. And so, you know, do your research, talk to people who have been in the program before you and get their viewpoint on it. Also, you know, see how many people have dropped out of the program or who are no longer doing it um, to get a feel for kind of what you're going to get out of it. But I went into this mentorship to get very specific things. And I am the type of person who um, always needs to get the value out of whatever I put in. So whether I am, uh, I don't know, I'm looking on my desk here, I have a, a paper towel. If I'm buying a roll of paper towel, I need to use the whole thing. I'm not just going to get half of it and then 
kind of throw the other half out. So always have that mindset of what are you looking to get out of a coaching program or a mentorship program to make sure that you can benefit the most from it. Awesome. 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 And so let's dive into this huge deal. You got, I, I don't know many people that can take down a $50 million deal. So what happened on that deal? What'd you guys learn? Like where's the big lesson learned there? You know, the big lesson learned that I would say is there's not a lot of difference between a $50 million deal, a $5 million deal and a $500,000 deal. Um, the, the only difference is in terms of raising capital. So I know that's a big hot topic in the multifamily syndication space. And what I would encourage the listeners to do is to go out and start having preliminary conversations with all of your potential investors. Um, you are going to have a very hard time raising money for your first time you're gonna have a very hard time raising money for your second time. Um, it will get easier as you do more deals and you're known as the real estate person or the multifamily investment person. What's up guys, it's your host Jerome. I just wanna let you know we launched Myers Methods in the fall of 2019 with the ambition to inspire a new breed of multifamily investor. If you are interested in getting into multifamily or scaling your current business, hop over to our website at MyersMethods.com to grab your free four-step guide on how to get the ball rolling in multifamily. Now let's get back to the episode. And so the capital raising is challenging, right? On a $50 million deal, you probably need to raise somewhere between 15 and $20 million, depending on what sort of strategy you have. So, um, you don't get there on your first deal, but start a little bit smaller. Again, the other opportunity that you have is to partner with a group who has more experience than you do um, to kind of show you the ropes and make sure that you can get through to the closing process seamlessly. The other piece that I would say is kind of eye-opening from doing a $50 million deal, um, the the debt aspect when you're working with a lender it's i would say a little bit easier to secure debt you're going to get better terms than you would on buying a million dollar property so it's an interesting um it's an interesting piece but it's just kind of how the debt world works um, when you're doing larger deals it it just seems to be a little bit easier so that's kind of like a surprising benefit to it. You have to raise more money, uh, but the lenders work with you a little bit more because the dollar figure is a little bit bigger. Um, from that perspective, you know, taking over uh, a $50 million apartment community, um, it's 270 units. It's located in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, the takeover process is about the same as your other like kind multifamily assets. Um, you need to do your due diligence. You're just going through probably a few more units than you would elsewhere. Um, but I think as you go up in price point of where you're buying, the management gets a little bit easier, right? If you think about 
a hundred unit property, maybe in a kind of up and coming, not so great area, the management of that asset is going to be a lot more challenging than the management of our 270 unit property located in a really nice sub-market of Raleigh, North Carolina. And so from that perspective, you know, you need to know these things. And, you know, as we harp on that education component, you know, I would say know your market, know exactly what it takes to, um, to prepare, close, and then manage post-closing each asset type in the neighborhoods that you're looking at buying in. Got it. So was there anything that was shocking for you? I don't think we had too many, um, too many gotchas or shocking pieces. Um, the one kind of fun fact that I'll say, just do your homework on, um, check with any seller. If you are under contract, on the life safety inspections. So typically, um, if, if you have a property that has fire extinguishers, those are typically inspected on an annual basis. Um, and that could be a couple thousand dollars depending on how many you'd have to inspect. So if they haven't been inspected in time, make sure the seller does that and they pay for it before closing. Um, a, a more costly inspection is on your sprinkler system. I think these are state by state, so don't get me uh, don't get me wrong here. But I believe typically every five years you need to have a um, fire sprinkler system inspection, and that can be a few thousand dollars. So again, if the property has not been inspected yet, try to get the seller to do that and the seller to pay for it prior to closing. And so I think as you close more deals, you learn some of these kind of gotcha things or, you know, they may be lower in the priority queue when you're doing due diligence and you want to check the rent rolls and you want to check the physical um, build and makeup of the property, but make sure you get your inspection reports done as well on some of those critical items. The other thing is if you have a pool on your property, was the pool certificate completed for the upcoming season? Because um, the pool certificates need to be inspected on an annual basis. So again, that could be something that you try to get the seller to do and pay for prior to closing, depending on when, when it's occurring in the month or in the year, excuse me. Did you guys miss those opportunities on that deal? Um, we did not, we did not, get confirmation of some of those pieces. Um, the, the more expensive one on the fire system, luckily the seller had it done, I think three years ago. So we still have two years um, until we have to do it. And that one I think runs us like 8,000 um, bucks. So it would have been nice to allocate in our budget um, but we can do that for next year's budget because we have another year to kind of prepare for it. So not a, not a big gotcha. Um, but you know, we should have caught that before closing. And so what we now have is a kind of closing due diligence checklist that is growing every time we learn something new. And so now there's, you know, the box next to the life safety 
reports and you know sometimes properties don't have sprinklers or sometimes there's not a need for some of these reports depending on what state you live in and so it might not be applicable everywhere but it's definitely something you need to check awesome and so the final question is you know what words of wisdom do you have for the listeners my words of wisdom would be to um you know it's going to sound kind of generic, but, you know, be grateful for what you have and continue to work hard. I think you can accomplish anything that you put your mind to. And so I would just encourage the listeners, my words of wisdom would be think bigger than you actually are trying to do. And what I really mean by that is, you know, if, if our group can buy a $50 million deal, anybody out there can do it. Um, with the right team in place. And so, you know, if you're getting frustrated and hung up looking for a million dollar property, you know, maybe think bigger, look for a $10 million property, and maybe look for a partner who can help you. So you don't have to go at it alone. Multifamily is definitely a team sport. And so, you know, to kind of summarize my words of wisdom, think bigger, and support yourself with a great team around you. Any hacks on how to get that team around you? I think a lot of people complain about not having the right network or access to the, you know, the people who can do those things. Yeah, if you if you don't have access to great people or a network in your community, make one. And what I mean by that is if you go on the internet to like Meetup or Facebook is there a multifamily investing group available to you? And if there is, go and check it out. If you don't like what you see or there's not a group, go and start a group. Um, you have resources like meetup.com. You have the multifamily investor nation. You have bigger pockets. And if you post a meetup out there, you're going to get high quality people like yourself to come to those meetings. And then you need to start networking with those people. Um, on, a, on a small scale, I started an investor breakfast meeting in Charleston about two years ago. We meet on the first and third Friday of every month, and the group has grown. I think the first meeting we had like four people come to, um, and, and we've been going at it every single uh, Friday, the first and third Friday, and we have now about 40 to 50 people who show up and we have breakfast together and we chat real estate and the whole point of doing that meeting is just to connect people so if you don't have the group or the network go and start it and people will come awesome danny thank you for coming on the show i really appreciate it jerome thank you so much for having me on you have a wonderful day and if the listeners if you all have any questions at all don't hesitate to reach out to me either at passiveinvesting.com or dannyrandazzo.com. Awesome. You made it to this juncture, so you really love what we shared on this episode of Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Do us a favor, give us a five-star rating, give us a review, and share this with somebody who's interested in multifamily investing. Until the next time, the pack is with you. Ooh.